if you can get your risk tolerance right and you can understand exactly how much risk you specifically are willing to tolerate because everybody's different with their risk tolerance and that's what makes everyone a different investor, then you'll be fine. Now know this. Welcome back, everybody. So today we're going to talk about market timing. So Cole, tell me what exactly market timing is. So market timing is attempting to beat the market by predicting what's going to happen next. It's important to understand that people who market time are trying to beat the market. They're actively investing, right? And so someone who beats the, trying to market time is believes that he or she knows more than the market and but we're all guilty of this everybody's guilty i mean right now it's uh there's a lot of people out there that want to hold off or try to do something um based on the election they they think the election is uh there's a lot of uncertainty but what's wrong with doing that i mean if i think that there's a big there might be a big probability or a high probability that you know trump biden election is going to end up in a no one knows who the president is in chaos. Yeah, but, you know, one thing investors should understand is the market participants, millions and millions of people and trillions of dollars, you know, are, are setting the price of, of a given market. Right. So they're, they're right now discussing that. The same thing. They have the, the market has the same worries as as you do. So if you are worrying that, hey, potentially if the election goes haywire and we don't have a winner on November 3rd or December 3rd, the market might be already pricing that in because it's a risk that people are already talking about. Right. And so if you think about it, there's certain companies that may do well with a Democratic president and there's certain companies that may not do so well and vice versa. Well, not only that, I mean, no, but not only that, think about it, right? What do Republicans do really is they, they come out with a plan about saying how the economy will be great because they will cut taxes. That's the biggest economic impact that Republicans will do. Democrats will raise taxes, which is a bad thing for companies, but then they'll also spend a lot of money, much more than Republicans will on stimulus programs for the greater economy, like say, you know, green energy or infrastructure or whatnot. And so that's another stimulus. So there's, they kind of cancel each other out. Whether we have a Republican or a Democrat in the, in the White House, history shows us that presidents really don't matter that much into the outcome of the S&P 500 or stocks. Yeah, the, the yeah. there's a lot of data about um, essentially Markets don't care if there's a Democrat or Republican. It's more based on business cycle, and the president has very little impact. Yeah, I think the data One thing for our listeners to understand is that even if you are buying a passive vehicle like an index fund, if you are waiting to buy that index fund or trying to sell it based on your predictions of the future, you're trying to market time, you're actively investing, right? You don't, you, you, you can try to time the market by buying a S&P 500 fund, or you can try to time the market by buying Apple stock. The point is that you're buying and or selling 
based on where you think the market's going to go in the future. And I want people to also understand that there's nothing inherently wrong with trying to time the market. Just know that probability-wise, you are probably going to fail. You're probably going to underperform the market. Um, because the smart investors have a little bit of humility, and they know that they probably don't know more than the market as a whole knows. Do you think you individually know more than the millions and millions of traders every day. But let's go back to that example I gave about what people are fearing about, hey, I don't want to be in the market right now because November 3rd is going to present a big risk and I want to wait until after the elections to invest. If the market was worried about something happening with all the given information we have today, okay, there's always potential for surprises tomorrow, but today, everyone is voting today with their money and that money isn't showing chaos happening November 3rd, right? So what you're saying is that like the combined knowledge of every market participant that can buy or sell stocks, bonds, or whatever, isn't really worrying too much today about November 3rd because it's not being priced in. And there's always a risk of there being a surprise, but it's got to be a surprise that people are not talking about already. If it's, it can't be one of these things that we already think will happen. But right. It doesn't seem like the market's surprising at Armageddon, but I think that goes to your point of, you know, I, do you, would you rather trust millions of people or some hunch that you have in your gut that something's going to go wrong? And, and, and we only bring up the election because it's a relevant topic right now. But like we said in the past episode, every single year has something that we're worried about. And so this year it's the election and coronavirus. Next year it's something else. And then it's something else. And, and then every time you turn on CNBC, there's something to worry about, right? So there's always, there can always be an excuse as to why you shouldn't be in the market or you shouldn't invest. And you should wait for prices to come back because things might be overvalued or might be too expensive. But the risk, there is a big risk of doing that. And so I think there is a, you know, a big allure to, to market timing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what, what is the allure? If you could potentially time the market and not be in it during its worst days, there's a big upside for you there. There's a great example of this, right? Since 2000 to 2019. Okay. So for 19 years, if you were invested in the S&P 500, you made a 6% return compounded, okay, for 19 years. That's from the year 2000 to December 31st of 2019. 6% compounded, okay? But if you manage to actually perfectly market time the five worst days during that time frame, you would have increased your return by almost... 2%, more than, a little bit more than 2%. It would have been 8.3%. So you went from 6% compounded returns to 8% compounded returns. And yeah, the, seem- in the chart I'm looking at, right, just to kind of put it in dollar terms, right? Like this is the, if you started with $10,000 and you got the market return, you'd be, you, you would have tripled your money and you'd have 32,000, yep. right? But if you missed, if you smart enough to get out on the five worst days, you would have eight, 8.3%, which is almost 50,000, right? Correct. 
I mean, that's a big, that's a big chunk of money. Okay. Over that time frame, And that's just, and that's just, if you actually manage to perfectly time and be out of the market during its five worst days, let's go to the extreme though. Let's say, let's take 40 days. Let's say that you perfectly timed and were out of the market, um, for the 40 worst days from the year 2000 to 2019. If you could do that, your $10,000 investment would be worth $252,000 today. That's a 17.5% compounded return. So that's the allure, right? The allure is if I have the skill sets and if I can forecast correctly when to not be in the market and I'm right every single time, therefore I could make a lot of money. And that's true, right? That's true. So that's why people do it. That's, that's the why. The problem with the why though is let's take the same example from 2000 and 2019, that 6% compounded return. So those $10,000 are going to return $32,000. Okay. Almost triple your money in 19 years, but let's flip those days around. Let's now imagine that instead of being, let's say, let's imagine that instead of uh, perfectly timing the five biggest losing days, okay. So you were out of the market for those five days. Let's say that you missed out on the five biggest gaining days during that same time frame. Okay. So if you missed out on, if you, if you were just wrong and you actually missed out on the five largest gaining days during 2000 and 2019, your return went from 6% compounded returns, which would be $10,000 into $32,000 to $21,000. So you missed out on $11,000 by just being out of the market the five in missing out on the five biggest days of the year, but let's not take it to the same extreme as that 40 day example. So remember if you were out of the, if you managed to perfectly time the market and you were not in it during its 40, during the 40 worst performing days, remember you made, you took your $10,000 and you made $250,000, right? That's if you perfectly timed it. So that's why people do it. That's the allure. But then the problem is, Let's say that you missed out now and you were wrong and you missed out on the 40 biggest gaining days. Okay. You actually returned is your return is negative. Now your yeah, returns negative, negative 3.7. You actually went from $10,000 to $4,000 because the market very rarely do you see it go up a lot every single day. It's kind of only a couple of days a year that it goes up a lot. And if you're not in it during those days, you missed out on that compounding return. And so that's the problem with market timing is if you're not in the market and you do miss out on those days, you can kiss goodbye that compounded return that you're trying to achieve for the risk you're taking. Yeah. And it, it, to your point of stock returns come in very short, unpredictable bursts, right? And so I like this, this uh, quote from Charles Ellis in his uh, book called Investment Policy. He says, Investors would do well to learn from deer hunters and fishermen who know the importance of, quote, being there and using patient persistence so they're there when opportunity knocks. Right. I mean, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up on that quote from a quote from John Bogle, okay, that basically says, if you have trouble imagining a 20% loss in the stock market, you shouldn't be in stocks. And it goes hand in hand because you're going to have volatility in the stock market. Okay. You're going to have volatility in the bond market too. Okay. Not as much, but you're going to also experience it. You're going to experience price fluctuations, 
But if you can't handle being up or down 20% variance in the stock market, then you shouldn't be in it because it's not for you. And so that's the big thing. You know, people get mad at losses. And the only way to not have losses in the stock market is either cheating the system like insider training and just knowing everything in advance, which is illegal, right? Um, that's, that's it. That's really the only way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, and, but one thing I want our listeners to understand is there is short, you know, being a student, history will help. If you look at what's happened in prior years, it will help you when inevitably the downturns come. Like there's a great chart that J.P. Morgan put out that shows uh, the S&P uh, returns by year from like 1980 to 2019. And at, if you look at the chart, you'll notice that there's, for that period of time, um, only one, two, three, six, eight years out of, from 1980 to 2019 that were down for the year. Every other year was a positive return. But every single year had big drawdowns. And so like one year, one year that uh, is very... Uh, hold cool on, hold on, hold on. Explain what a drawdown is. A drawdown is, is, what is, if you take a drawdown on a yearly basis, what's the lowest point? What's the biggest trough, the biggest valley, right? And so if we go back to the infamous year of uh, 1987, right, with Black Monday and all that, and people remember the huge... 34% drawdown, right? Amazingly enough, 1987 was a positive year for the S&P 500, 2%. But if you just stayed there and you did not freak out and you just held on to your position, you'd had a positive return through Black Monday and all the craziness that went on. That's assuming you just bought the index, though, which is good. Right. That's assuming that we're just talking about which is what we would highly recommend doing and this and, reminds me of another anecdote I've, I've heard is that morgan stanley i believe did a study and about about all their investors and clients and they kept noticing accounts that uh were doing very well and but there was no activity but it was, they were some of the best performing accounts and these accounts ended up being widow accounts yeah to where a husband or wife had died and the spouse didn't, the surviving spouse didn't know about the account and it was just stuffed in a box. Those are some of the best performing accounts. They did nothing. They just let it ride. And in 1987 is very, it's a great year to use as example because it's very reminiscent of this year of 2020, right? I mean, you had, you had a stock market that crashed in 1987 in you know, a week, uh, about 34%. And the year 1987 ended up being a positive year, like you said. Um, similar to this year, 2020. Um, I can't tell you probably the amount of people that sold in March of this year because they were terrified of what this coronavirus was going to do. And w with good reason, right? I mean, this was, this was something we've never experienced in over 100 years in this country. And sure enough, what happened is 2020, you have another drawdown that's very similar to 1987, only this time it took a month for it to occur, which is still quickly, right? In 1987, it was a couple of days, but now it took a month to do the same thing. But we're sitting here now in, in October of 2020, and the S&P is up 5% for the year. Yeah, and I think, I think also people need to understand that 
the best market timers are going to want to buy low and sell high. And so let's take March 2020 as an example. You've really got to be a contrarian and you've got to be, you know, you've got to have a lot of guts because well, well, think about March 2020 when the markets were down 30 whatever percent. That's when you got to buy. When the world is freaking out and things look very, very uncertain, rightly so, to capitalize on that, you got to be the one saying, okay, when everybody else is selling, I'm buying. But you know what? That's, <laughs> but here's the thing. Even those people that are good market timers and you know maybe we're contrarians or are contrarians, um, we know of clients that have been waiting on the sidelines for three years now. Um, saying that the market's too expensive, the market's too expensive, the market's too expensive. And when coronavirus did hit, they actually did buy. They, 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 you know, in March, they bought some, some equities. And because they finally thought, oh, here's a price that I should get into. So now they're up about 30%, okay? But they missed out on four years of great gains, right? And so, you know, the four years that it were the market's up, like, you know, including this year of like, almost 70%, they missed out on about 30% because they were trying to time the market. Meaning, yes, they were correct in timing at this time when the market went down. It did not go down further. They didn't get it quite perfectly, right? They didn't get it at the lows. So they did get it at a, at a discount. But they also suffered from not being in it for the past three years. They suffered more from not being in it from the past three years than they gained from timing it correctly this time around. And so this time is the time to correctly though, might've been skill, might've been luck. We don't know, but I'm telling you, it's hard to do next time around. They might try to time it again, but it might not work out. It might keep going down (laughs) for a long period of time before it comes back. So this is the notion that, you know, when people ask us a lot, is it a good time to invest right now? It's always a good time to invest if you're a long-term investor. And that's the whole point. The whole point is being a long-term investor. Yeah. And so, and, and the other, the other uh, point on that I want to make is it's always a good time to invest if you're long-term and you've got a plan and you, you, you understand your risk tolerance, right? And for anyone wondering about planning, I would go listen to our first episode about financial planning and the three buckets. But the idea is... If you've got all your ducks in a row, you're not going to care as much about big drawdowns because you're in it for the long run. What do other people say about market timing? Other experts, other famous investors? One thing I want listeners to understand is that we're not only talking about retail mom and pop listeners uh, being poor market timers. Even professional investors cannot time the market. And there's many, many academic studies that we can uh, provide that show that even professional active investors cannot time the market. Well, this is, and that's something that's been going around for probably more than 50 years. I mean, this isn't something new, you know. During the one year period ending March 2020, 72% of domestic stock funds underperformed. Say that again. During the one-year period ending March, when we had the big drawdown, 72% of equity funds in the U.S. underperformed. 
Wow. And the whole premise of, you you know, active funds is that during a downturn, they can be more, you know, active and save you from. A yeah. And, and, and a lot of people will say, oh, well, that, there was a huge uh, drawdown. Well, that's the point. I mean, there's always going to be some huge drawdown. No, 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 no. These I people- like I like how bank analysts will come out and say, oh, well, we have to recalculate our forecast because, you know, coronavirus hit. We didn't expect it. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the point. Um, but, but this, this holds true over a lots of periods, like the year in 2019, 70% of U S domestic stock funds underperformed. So, and, and there's another study, most large cap funds underperformed the S and P 500 across all time horizons. Okay. Um, so it's professional investors, professional funds that you're paying a lot of money to invest with over and above an index fund are underperforming that index fund. Like I also think, um, say you were an investor that sold in March, you got out. You're like, this is too crazy. I'm getting out. Well, what are you going to do next? I mean, put your money in cash or bonds that are paying nothing. That's so like question. at some point you're going to have to decide, okay, I got to get back into the stock market. I need that green flag to, to tell me to come on in, but there's never going to be a green flag. There's always going to be risk. There's always going to be. This is what I tell. This is what I, this is what now, I tell. Now, if you got out in March, well, now the election's unpredictable. No, here's, here's what I tell people all the time. I've, I've, I had people in March tell me, Oh my God, I'm out. I got out early. I'm so happy. They got out. I mean, maybe when the S and P was down 15%, but they're still out. They haven't gotten back in. Right. And so what does that tell me is that, okay, great. Let's say you perfectly time when to get out. Then you have to perfectly time when to get back in. And that's the problem. Like it's hard to do both. If you, even if you did perfectly time the market to get out and you don't perfectly time it to get back in, you're screwed. Like you miss out I mean, on the biggest days. Those five good days. Oh, sure. The five biggest days or the 10 or the 20, those biggest days usually come right after the worst. They're not like, oh, all of a sudden the market's going up a lot and you're going to see the market up 9%. Yeah, I mean, I mean think about I, it in March. That's what happened in March. Exactly. You're not going to see right now tomorrow the market go up 9%. It did it in March because it was down 10% the day before. Yeah. So when we're talking about missing out on the biggest gaining days, it, they usually follow the worst gaining, losing days. They're not going to come all of a sudden during a nice running bull market. So I think that's the big takeaway, right? It's, 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 it's very difficult to do market timing. There's a big allure to it, right? Because you, if you are successful at doing it, which is very, very hard, there's a big payday for you. Um, the problem is if you're wrong, you're going to lose a lot more money than if you just indexed. Um, and Peter Lynch, who's a, who's a famous investor, right? He did a study that I read about and he said, he said from 19, he did a study from 1965 to 1995, 30 years. If you had $1,000 to invest and you had incredible luck, you picked the low day of the year and you put your $1,000 in at every year for 30 years on the lowest day, your return would have been 11.7% annually compounded. He goes, now imagine that's the lucky guy. He picked the low day of the year to invest. Now imagine the guy every year that is the very unlucky guy. He picks the highest day of the year for 30 years to invest his thousand dollars. 
every single time, 30 years in a row. Guess what his return was for 30 years? 10.6. So that's the difference between picking the low day of the year and the high day of the year is Wait, 1%. Say the, say, say the two again in summary. The, the lucky guy that invested his money at the lowest point of the year for 30 years, the low day, the low right, point the low, of the market. The guy, the guy who was like always getting the always, bottoms. Always right, always buying low. His return was 11.7. Now, on the flip side, take the unlucky guy. He's investing at the highest point every, every year. Every time. Okay. Right, he's buying high. His return was 10.6. So over 30 years, the difference between investing at the lowest day and the highest day was like 1%. So, I mean, the odds of that happening on both sides right, oh, are, are very little. But as a thought exercise, it's like, why do people spend an unbelievable t- amount of time trying to time the market when if you got it completely right, you're talking about 1% difference? Yeah, it's just and that's assuming it. you got it completely right, which we know is virtually impossible because no one can predict exactly when to get out and exactly when to get in, right? And that's where this whole conversation goes through. The conclusion of all this is make sure you have your risk tolerance right, meaning don't waste your time trying to market time. Don't try to waste your time saying, is this time, is this today a good time to invest? Is tomorrow a good time to invest? Was yesterday a good time to invest? Are things too expensive today? Are they not? So, so, don't, so, so the conclusion of this is don't market time because it's very, very, very hard. Okay. Get your risk tolerance right, meaning make sure you are very aware of the risks you're taking. And if you're comfortable with those risks, that's the most important part. And that's it, right? If you can get your risk tolerance right and you can understand exactly how much risk you specifically are willing to tolerate because everybody's different with their risk tolerance and that's what makes everyone a different investor, then you'll be fine. In conclusion, if you get your risk tolerance right and how much risk you're willing to take, there's no need to do any market timing because there will be fluctuations in the markets. You'll have to ride the good with the bad. And if bad times do come, just stay in it because if you've done the financial plan correctly, like we discussed in our previous episode, it's money you shouldn't need in the near term. So just go with the fluctuations, let the markets do their thing and you'll be fine. I agree. So with all that said, we've reached the ending of our episode. I think me and Cole are getting a better hang of this. Hopefully you guys have found this one in kind of, or maybe more important than the last one or more relevant or more interesting. Um, But we're having fun doing them. And so hope to see you guys next time. We'll see you next time on now. Know this. That was kind of creepy. Cool.